BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Tuesday night, July 4th edition of the Dunk Time Basketball Podcast. Much to discuss here. We took yesterday off because not much happened. Everyone was waiting for Gordon Hayward. And then he ended up signing, and we've got lots more to talk about as well. The Gallo sign and trade, the Kings, we've got some thoughts, as you may have guessed. So we'll get into all of that momentarily. We're sponsored today by Smile Direct Club. Go to smiledirectclub.com, use the code CAPSPACE, and you get 50% off your evaluation for their invisible aligners. So we have to start, of course, here, Danny, with Gordon Hayward. I suppose we must hit on the drama a little bit. It seemed pretty clear what was going on, that he was essentially pulling a Dwight Howard. Someone in his camp spilled the beans to Chris Haynes, and then Sam Amick, and then Zach Lowe. And then, of course, there was the pushback led by Woj, saying, no, he hasn't actually really decided yet and then it was rebroken by shams right at the time the players tribune piece came out a 2100 word piece that made it quite clear that no in fact he was not struggling to decide over that six hour period but now he's in boston and utah is gonna have to pick up the pieces they are but i, th- I think we should start with boston i mean it had been a few weeks now of kind of feeling like oh well what are they gonna do especially you know with not getting paul george not getting jimmy butler and now without having to sacrifice any resources they added a very very talented player who is still going into his prime yes and their team is going to be real interesting obviously but first things first they got to actually create the room for this guy because as it stands right now if you include the cap hold for gershon yabusele their number 16 pick in 2016 who played in maine last year seemed to be expecting to come over this year they've already signed ante zizic we actually saw him play yesterday here in utah then you would have thought oh maybe they just move on from terry razier and yabusele have him delay for another year if they can swing that but that still puts them about five hundred thousand dollars short of the max 29.2 as opposed to 29.7 closer to 29 yeah 29.7 because of those pesky roster charges right every time once you're under 12 players you take off a player a charge comes on of eight hundred fifteen thousand dollars and the Celtics in some ways I mean I don't want to say they got screwed too badly but the fact that rookie scale cap holds increase from 100 to 120 percent of the rookie scale this year and then that the minimum salary got increased so that the empty roster slot charges are higher and then the cap going down by a bunch because of the short playoffs and everyone spending so much last year that's how now they're in this predicament and it's going to cost them someone who makes more than four million dollars on their team the the candidates for that are smart brown 
Jason Tatum, Jay Crowder, Avery Bradley, Isaiah Thomas, and I think it almost certainly will be Smart. Right. I, I think that the two most reasonable candidates of that group are Smart and Jay Crowder, just because Smart is is in kind of the right place where he's a good player, but he's about to get a lot more expensive, and his space on this team is more tenuous now with the addition of Hayward. They have a lot of forwards now, and they if they like Terry Rozier, they don't really need that backup secondary creator. Like he, he can be useful for them. I'm not saying like, hey, you're going to dump this guy. And then with Crowder, the reason you would do that is he has a wonderful contract and would actually be a nice piece as Bradley and Thomas get a lot more expensive. But if he's getting marginalized, if you're planning on keeping the two forwards you've just taken third in the draft the last two years, then there isn't much of a spot for him. And so they could go that direction, get more in return. I don't expect it. I think smart is the play, but I think you listen on both and you take the best offer you can. Is an interesting contrast though with here, and maybe he will end up doing this. I mean, it's reported as the max four years, 128 million. It's a three plus one, so he'll be able to get back onto the market. And if Hayward, in fact, wanted a three plus one instead of five years, really Utah's financial advantage was much lower, only a couple million bucks over those three years. And the idea being that he wants to get onto the market when he can make the 35% max, I would be surprised if he actually can command the 35% max over you know a four-year contract when he gets back on. But he's a hard worker. He might get there. But there's a little bit of a contrast with Kevin Durant. Clearly, Durant has made much more in off-the-court money than Hayward has. But just Durant taking back you know, basically 10 million this year. And Hayward, you know, if he just would take 500,000 less, they could keep Marcus Smart. But it's, uh, and, and, at, and at the very least, they could trade him and get someone back who makes money, right? Because they have to trade Smart and they can only take back someone basically making around the minimum if to still have enough so we'll see what ends up happening here maybe maybe we're being too soon here to say they have to get rid of smart but if they do want to pay the maximum salary to him they will in fact have to move marcus smart but let's let's turn and talk a little bit about the fit here i think that hayward offensively he showed me a lot this past year i thought he did a, a nice job in the playoffs and throughout the season they needed him when george hill was out for for periods of time george hill only played 49 games this year he shouldered more of a playmaking burden and thought he did a good job. And also, I think he improved meaningfully defensively this year. And that helps make him a more valuable player moving forward, but also specifically for the Celtics because they have so many of these position versatile guys. Yeah, they are going to be very difficult to defend. They're going to close games with Horford at the, at the five, Jay Crowder at the four, Hayward at the three. They still don't have a great option for defending the absolute best wings. You know, this guy named LeBron James that they're going to have to deal with in the playoffs. But you, if Cleveland slips, I think Cleveland would still be the favorite. We'll see what else Boston can come up with in terms of moves. But if Cleveland slips a little bit, then maybe we could talk about Boston potentially upending them. But as the playoffs last year showed, they have quite a long way to go. And I don't expect, while they do get Hayward, I think Isaiah and Horford aren't going to be as good this year, probably. And then also, this team is going to get really, really expensive if they bring back both Isaiah Thomas and Avery Bradley, which seems like they're probably going to have to do or at least you know make market offers to and maybe those guys leave but because they just want to be somewhere else but with a team like this I mean you can't let talent like that get away unless you know maybe Thomas just totally falls off a cliff or something this year they also have at least a couple of lottery picks coming up in the 
next couple of years and, you know, the one from the Nets and then whatever they end up getting is the other piece in the Tatum-Markel Fultz trade. And those picks used to be, you know, they are still bargains relative to production, but they got a lot more expensive too. So you're not getting those like two and three million dollar really good rookies. The, those guys are going to be in like the seven to eight, seven to eight million dollar range if the picks are high enough, which they very well could be. Yeah, they're going to be really difficult to defend, obviously, with the multiple playmakers on the floor now. They're going to have great spacing with Horford taking more threes defensive rebounding will still be a problem with their best lineup but not really a ton of size in the east to take advantage of that other than maybe Tristan Thompson on the Cavs and we'll see where they end up in terms of getting some bigs we could talk about that first they will now have at their disposal the room exception two-year contract starting at 4.3 million dollars anybody come to mind to you as a potential target there it seems to me like they need another big they could use another big i actually would considering their looks like they're bringing over tice and well they already basically that's coming and then and then zizic maybe even more of a, a four just somebody who can who can occupy some of that real estate as like a traditional four because they have a lot of the kind of non-traditional guys i think that would be an interesting one but i can't think of any anybody right now i mean the market has already fallen we'll talk about patrick patterson later or at least it fell with him but i don't see anybody that just screams like i'm gonna take less money to go to the celtics at this moment yeah well it could just be that the market is so dried up for some of these guys that there's nothing else there i think clearly they need defensive rebounding and they need rim protection and pick and roll defense mobility finishing obviously would be nice too if they just have someone who can go up and really just dunk an alley-oop so some of the guys that came to mind for me certainly i think they would offer their full mid-level to Dwayne Dedman whether he would be interested in that or not I'm not sure I think having made little money in his career he'll be looking for the biggest possible payday but it could be that his market is so dry we talked about where he might end up the other day and it doesn't seem like there's a ton there we haven't heard any rumors about him either Andrew Bogut I think is certainly someone that they would look at but Bogut can't be relied on because he's just too injury prone and he may be done also he still has some some defensive skills that Dallas defended well when he was in there and didn't have to play with Dirk last year but again he's someone who you might sign him and and play him some but not really uh someone that you can say all right we'll get this guy they may also try to save some money for the buyout market as well I think actually JaVale McGee would be a very nice fit in certainly offensively as a guy who could start you know basically get the Keith Bogans probably and but at least would help make them still unstoppable offensively as well and you know can block some shots a little bit obviously a spacey defender wouldn't help their defense very much uh I think Jeff Withy is someone they might look at as well they of course have Ante Zizic still but Zizic's pretty young saw him in person yesterday didn't impress me a ton in terms of his defense defense which is the number one thing that they need from that position i think zizic kind of fits more as like you know a fourth big energy guy at this point i wouldn't want to go into the season with a championship contender with him as my starting center and then uh Tarek black is someone else if he clears waivers which it sounds like he's probably going to from the lakers what about anyone Willie else reed? you would add to that list yeah well billy reed's the guy that i think would be a possibility just because i think you could sure. get him for less than that and then maybe you could still save some for the buyout market yeah that that could be true as well i mean the minimum is so much higher now that it's like splitting up that room mid-level almost is pointless at this that's point true. Like you splitting it into two two million dollar contracts is kind of like is it really that much more than giving but the once guy- it but once that gets prorated then maybe it gets a little bit different you know like once you prorate the minimum yes yeah. 
halfway no, through the true. season. That is a, an interesting point there. Let's talk about a potential smart trades, though, because smart has value for sure. In the mock-off season, we traded him to OKC for two second-round picks. OKC has a trade exception but that uh, smart could fit into, but they are now, with having used the full taxpayer mid-level on patrick patterson they're in a little bit of trouble as far as spending and so they because any trade they would basically have to take on salary and so they may not want to do that especially because they have to resign robertson we'll talk more about them later who else do you see as a potential possibility for them that where he realistically could just get traded for nothing or bring back someone making the minimum atlanta if they want to go in that direction they they have a lot of identification that they need to do but he's a good player and they have a couple of these kind of intriguing assets i don't think you would give up a first for Marcus, but Marcus Smart, but they yeah. just picked up that late first from the rap from the Rockets. As a, that was, yeah. you know, part of the the two trades in a week. That would yeah, be. Yeah, I mean, that might be close to the right value because remember, Smart only has one year left on his rookie deal. Then he will go into restricted free agency. However, the restricted free agency market in 2018 is looking and very tight. That's where I wanted to go. I, I'm mad that I didn't get to make that point first. But yeah, Marcus Smart. So I, I talked about, uh, I tweeted about that just with the idea that the market is thinning and it thinned even more with what Sacramento did. And for the top level guys, if Andrew Wiggins makes this restrictive free agency or, or you know some of those other guys, I'm not worried about them getting offers. But it could thin out fast enough that somebody of Marcus Smart's caliber that there just isn't money there. And if the team that he goes to is not interested in facilitating with the with the sign and trade, then he loses a lot of leverage. Yeah. And I think of course any team acquiring him now could always look to extend him. And I think if we see how poorly things turn out for a lot of the restricted free agents this year that now agents and restricted free agents might get a little more gun shy and you can start getting some pretty good discounts in restricted free agency that these last couple of years it's been hard to get a discount in restricted free agency because everyone's like all right i'm going to go out in the free agent market i'm just going to get paid and deal with it so now when you throw in that also the risk avoidance of potentially getting hurt you know maybe you could get smart on you know an extension for nine million a year or something like that uh possibly i don't know we'll see Along those lines, two teams that I thought of that were compelling, if they identify smart as a fit, are Dallas. So Dallas can, um, my records have it that they still have a trade exception from the Andrew Bogut deal because they sent him to Philadelphia. So assuming that still exists, then that would be an interesting one. And the reason why I think smart would be fun there is because they're dealing with Wesley Matthews possibly becoming a free agent next year. And so you could have basically an alternative on roster who doesn't really impact your payroll flexibility this year. So I thought that would be an, an intriguing fit yeah and smart also if they if their plan is going to end up being using space in 2018 he would have a small cap hold they could hold on to him and then bring him back and restrict free agency after that. I, I like that okay although they have a lot of kind of smaller guard two types already at least for this year but sure none of those guys can defend like smart can. i mean that's that's the appeal of smart is that he and and maybe he'll get to be better as a playmaker he, he did okay running things on the second unit towards the second half of the year he can get into the post against smaller guards the three-point shooting obviously is going to be iffy from game to game but he also can defend one through three quite well and, and there are not a lot of guys who can do that so that type of versatility is pretty useful and maybe there's there's always the hope that he could become you know an average three-point shooter as well so i think he's a guy who has value and i think you know two seconds that late first with atlanta like that's kind of about the right value i think for for him at this point then the other team that i just thought would be compelling is philly 
So Philly has uh, Rashawn Holmes, who would be fascinating and would be a wonderful fit for what Boston needs. Like it's, in many ways, I think that would be one of the best case scenarios for the Celtics. But then they also have Brooklyn's second round pick this coming year. So that'll be potentially useful pick. They also have their own, and I'm sure teams will have their own opinions on what that means for Philadelphia. But Smart would functionally be Robert Covington insurance. They might, you know, if they already have an understanding with him, then you don't need that, but maybe they don't. And he's not so prohibitively expensive this year that it causes a problem. And, you know, it worse comes to worse if that's what they gave up. It's not devastating for them. Yeah, I, I like that. I think now just a straight up for Rashawn Holmes, I think that'd be pretty close to equal value. Holmes has, has another year left on his contract at the minimum, although a, a team may want to decline his team option and make him a restricted free agent next summer as well. That Holmes could also potentially be extended if you wanted to go that route. I think he his athletic ability to get up and dunk on the pick and roll would again provide something he's really probably the closest to a, a two-way guy you mentioned Dallas as well I think that actually Salah Mejri is someone that maybe could help the Celtics a little bit a shot blocker who can finish on the pick and roll as well again I mean we're we're not talking about some world beater here this isn't a guy who's going to finish games but for 15 minutes a game I think he could provide a little bit of an element for the Celtics as well and, and a guy making the minimum so you could trade him back and still have enough room to to sign Hayward and they would have to get more of an asset than just that but those Holmes and Mejri are the two guys who can block some shots finish okay on the pick and roll and also are making a small enough amount that it would make sense to send them back in that trade are there, any, are there any other destinations that intrigue you particularly? Yeah, San Antonio is one. Smart could probably just start for them at the point, have some versatility again for them defensively. Uh, the Spurs are under the cap right now. They have $13 million in room. They may end up staying over potentially with Pau Gasol, but they have some space to do, do things with. And if anybody can have some confidence in their ability to teach someone to shoot, it's the Spurs. Yeah, I like that fit a lot. But that would be an interesting one. You do think that maybe... Boston might be somewhat loath to send him to a good team especially in the east i mean cleveland actually would be a great fit but uh, no way boston's going to send him there and, and cleveland doesn't have the assets to send back but yeah like you know a spurs first round pick again the spurs very rarely trade first round picks like really almost never i don't think i can't recall a single time that they have actually and but maybe this would be for a young player already that might be okay and then again if they want to use their 2018 space smart small cap hold see if he can be the point guard of the future there so so there are some options as well orlando another team that it has you know a middling point guard where smart could come in and, and, and compete he's pretty redundant in terms of his skill set with peyton but a better defender so i mean they're going to get it's just a question of what the value is going to be and i think it, it would be nice for them if they could get a player though but really holmes and measure are the ones that stick out to, to me i mean they've got pretty much every other position covered maybe a backup too but again there not too many of those guys for them all right that's probably enough on, on that we will talk about everything else but first i want to tell you about smile direct club my aligners actually came i was one of those morons who got braces as a child and then didn't wear my retainer on the bottom and now my teeth are a little bit misaligned on the bottom so Smile Direct Club, they're an invisible aligner company. Other invisible aligner brands can cost up to 5000 on average. Smile Direct Club aligners are 70% left, and you could save even more with insurance or an FSA. It's two easy ways to pay, either with a single payment of $1,700 with lab costs waived, or you can take advantage of Smile Pay, which is just $250 down, then $99 per month for 17 months with no credit check 
required the process was extremely easy they send you the kit to do an impression you just put this putty into the trays hold each one in your mouth for three minutes and 30 seconds takes about 20 minutes in total send them off and then whole process took about a month for me to get my aligner sent to me they fit perfectly if you've had braces before it's not nearly as difficult of a process like when you get braces those first like two or three days after you get your braces tightened, it's like you came and chew that's not the case like i can feel it moving the teeth a little bit but it's not like I haven't been able to eat. Like Danny's been hanging out with me the last three days. I'm eating normally, right? Yeah. And, more and than normally even. Well, I don't know. Normal, <laughs> normally for when you eat with me, at least, which is. <laughs> so you can get started with them as well with an in-home impression for only $95. That's covered by their smile guarantee. So if their aligners aren't a good fit for you, you get your money back. And our listeners can save 50% on their evaluation costs with the special offer. Go to smiledirectclub.com. Use that familiar promo code capspace if you your children or anyone you know is interested in straightening their smile that smile direct club use the code capspace 50 percent off your evaluation today only available in the united states except north carolina all right where did you want to go next danny well i think we should talk about the jazz shouldn't we yes I guess we should, although they haven't done anything yet. I did think that him dragging out the pain for the Jazz fans for another six hours was kind of weak. And I tweeted out a question asking whether they would have rather known right away or gotten the official heartfelt message. I mean, I think people, most people knew that it was going to be Boston anyway. There's a, a little bit of sour grapes in utah because it seems like this joe ingles contract the ricky rubio trade those were to appease hayward hayward had made it known he would like to play with the rubio who knows how much he really was torn up until yesterday when he met with the jazz but and rubio went to that rudy gobert went to that but now Utah is left with having only about $11.9 million in space. That includes the cap hold of Joe Ingles, which is only $4 million. That's going to bump up to 11.6 as soon as he signs his contract, but they can hold off on that. Also includes Donovan Mitchell, who looked awesome when we saw him yesterday in person in Summer League. They could move on from Joel Ballenboy, open up a little bit more there. There's some talk they might get in on Otto Porter. That never really made any sense. And Porter, in fact, later signed his max offer sheet with the Nets. So what do you think they do from here? George Hill is now off the market as well. Not a surprise. He's in Sacramento. They got to get some sort of a small forward. They probably would have wanted to get in on Gallo, but they weren't going to pay him the amount that he got with the Clippers. And Rudy Gay, James Johnson, those are kind of the only threes left in the market. It does seem like Utah is going to continue trying to compete here. It does. And that in some ways makes this harder just because they can't kind of lean into it. They did just get Donovan Mitchell. They can be happy about that. And, and, Rodney Hood and a couple other guys and so the the, the small forward market is just thin right now and ideally they want somebody especially if they're going to play favors at the four they want somebody who can shoot and so a three who can actually shoot is just a hard thing to find unless that's really all they do and I mean yeah maybe they could go after Rudy Gay I don't think they have enough unless they want to clear a little bit more space to go after Robertson which would certainly be inspired in certain ways just the idea of being an amazing defensive team and then trying to figure out the offense later but I I had this trouble in the mock-off season too, where it's just like, well, where do you, where do you go from here? Because he is such a huge player and they can't adequately replace Hayward. And so I also thought of them as a potential Marcus Smart destination, which would be really weird, but possible, I guess it would, their, their pick situation just changed with, um, you know, with everything going on, their own picks now are more valuable, but they might be too valuable to give up. So I think you go after those guys, but you really, really don't overpay because, 
especially in terms of years, the definitely years, not dollars situation for like Rudy Gay. But I understand the pressure that they have, especially considering the success and the, the success and the goodwill with their fans. They're redoing their arena as we sit here in Salt Lake City. So I'm sympathetic to those aims. Yeah, I think they could still be okay if Derek Favors and Rodney Hood can get back to being the players that they are promised to be before these injuries. I mean, I think they'll probably just start Ingles at the three, and it certainly would help to have another guy, but they still have, have Joe Johnson. If Mitchell is going to be in the rotation, Dante Exa, maybe. I think they've probably got enough firepower still on the wing. They'll need something at back and forth. They also could just hold on to Boris Diaz as well, and then they would be pretty close to out of cap space at that point. They could just stay over the cap and use their full mid-level if they wanted to hold on to Dia and use the BAE as well if they cared to. Some names that could be available, maybe a Lukamba Mute as well could come a little bit cheaper. Tabo Cephalosha could come a little bit cheaper. If they decide to move on from Dia, Jeff Green maybe as, as a backup for CJ Miles, if they want a little bit more offense there, though I think he's kind of redundant with Rodney Hood. Gerald Henderson, Tony Allen, if they wanted to go more defensive, they could go in that direction. And that they really needed someone else who can make plays off the drill. Tyreek Evans on a make good could be another guy that they might look at. We mentioned Rudy Gay. They also have, I think that it might be, especially with Mitchell looking so good, and everyone here in the organization that I've talked to has been absolutely raving about how awesome he has been. So maybe they might. this might be the time to try and trade Dante Exum with one year left on his rookie deal to a team that might want to try and extend him on the cheap or give him a tryout as their starting point guard who's not that good and either replenish the draft picks or try and get someone who could get into the rotation at the three or the four. But yeah, not a ton of great answers. I still think they could be in competition for the eighth seed if Favors and Hood can get back to the level they're at. Otherwise, no, I think they're probably you know a 35 to 40 win team but we'll have to really see where they end up and really think about it. it's kind of too early for me to really start thinking about all right well how are these teams really like ranked yet so for me i think the next place if we're going to go to a, a different oh you know what? here's another one too danny uh jamichael green offer sheet yeah that might be an interesting one for with for with that 12 million yeah i mean i think so. they they might that would kind of lead the path towards get moving Derek favors but they can do that i mean if they've if they yeah, well, favors the favors only one year left on his contract i mean another option too would be i mean they still have pretty damn good depth they'll need like one backup center but they could you know bring someone in for the minimum maybe re-sign jeff withy and then maybe they could still try to go the renegotiate and extend route with favors if he can prove that he's healthy and looks good again maybe they use some of that money for him yeah but but let's move on to some of the other stuff i mean this it it ended up because we accumulated over two days ended up having some interesting stuff going on and so for me the biggest thing is the three-way trade and so the three-way trade is centered around danilo gallinari going to the Los Angeles Clippers with the cost of uh, uh, the salary, three years, 65 million, which is significant. We'll talk about that in a second. Then in order to make that happen, because the Clippers, by virtue of the other moves they've made, they've stayed over the cap. You can't pay a guy $20 million a year if you're over the cap. So they did a sign-in trade involving both the Nuggets, Gallo's prior team, and then they needed a third team to take on the money because Denver had no interest in it. So they ended up using Paul Millsap's old team to facilitate something to Paul Millsap's new with new, his new team, not involving Paul Millsap. They sent Diamond Stone, Jamal Crawford, former Hawk Jamal Crawford, uh, that Houston first that they got in the Chris Paul trade, to 
to Atlanta and then a second round pick. I don't know what second round pick to uh, I, I I heard it's uh the Wizards twenty nineteen pick is going to Denver. Okay. As, and the uh, Wizards twenty nineteen pick is going to Denver. And Denver, why would you do this? I mean, this is gonna be a team that could be competing with Denver for in the lower end of the West playoff. I think mostly just to do a solid for Danilo Gonari, who is a a stalwart there for a long time. That's a potentially a reason. Let's start with the Clippers angle of this first. They did well to get off of Crawford's money. They did did not do well to give up a first and Diamond Stone, who I think actually has some modicum of promise, uh, looked dominant in the D-League showcase playing for Utah's affiliate. Not saying he's going to be awesome, but I think he's got uh, some ability. Three years, 65 for Gallo, age 28. And I'm concerned there due to his durability. I'm concerned just that he started to slip, especially defensively. And then you look at the fact that he's going to have to play at the three in their best lineups with Blake Griffin, hard to see how they're really going to be able to stop anybody now with him at the three. You just don't have anyone on this team to guard some of the best guys unless they were to bring back uh, Luke and Mute, play Gallo at the four some too. And then Blake Griffin, of course, you're putting Gallo together with Blake Griffin and you've got $50 million in tied up in guys who are probably you know i mean would you put the over under at 60 games this season for each of those guys i'd probably put it 60 and 65 respectively but i mean you're right in the same ballpark and also those are two players that are superfluous in a couple different ways they both like the ball in their hands they're both kind of questionable defensively and they're both gonna probably age into more limited roles defensively more so than offensively and you're committing to both of them for the next three years and also you have not committed to deandre jordan necessarily being behind them to clean up those messes there was by the way this is very cap nerdy part of the reason that Millsap couldn't be involved in the sign and trade is that when you're signing a guy on a sign and trade to way more than he was making before he counts less for the team that is sending him out than he does for the team that's acquiring him this is the same thing with Del Vadova last year you remember he signed for nine million bucks in Milwaukee but the trade exception that Cleveland got for him was only 4.5 million but they were able to it was actually a little more than that they're able to fit Dunleavy into that so that's part of why they couldn't really make the math work on this but no not really a huge issue for Denver they might have liked to have been able to stay over the cap and potentially use their full mid-level exception this year and hold on to Plumlee as well but not able to get that done they just have to sign well, Millsap there, the other in, in many ways though the bigger reason that sign and trade didn't happen was because of the restriction it would have put on Millsap's contract because yes if, that's if it had been too, yeah. if it had been a three it would have had to have been a three-year contract which you might say oh that's what Millsap signed but they would have to maintain the team friendliness of it they would have wanted that last year to be non-guaranteed and that's way worse for Denver because then if you if you want you can't get them at a lower salary with the team option you can decline it using bird rights and then just sign them to a lower salary with that a you're putting them on the open market and b you can't bring them back yes that's right so i mean i I think for the clippers okay they didn't really have any other great threes i mean this is just more kind of doubling down i mean this is if it really took this much to get gallo and perhaps it did because they didn't have the space to get him otherwise right they and so they had to say all right we're gonna really pay you here and there would have been other options too right like whoever any of the two hayward losers would have been wanting to get in on gallo so i think the clips felt like hey we got to wrap this guy up move fast now before hayward decides but yeah i think that contract could end up pretty ugly we haven't heard anything about a non-guarantee i'm assuming it's all guaranteed 
and it's just it's this is the clippers like going all in to get like the seventh seed in the west especially with how everyone else in the west has absolutely loaded up to a ridiculous degree plus they're committing to this for such a long time in terms of the cap la maybe maybe they're not because they're still the clippers and they don't get that big market bump maybe it's more like brooklyn where it's harder to find teams that players that will take your money just outright but it's going to be a while for them to really figure this out. And Gallo and Blake, as long as they're healthy, they're just good enough to make sure that even if the season goes badly, that you're not going to get a good draft pick. So even the worst case scenarios aren't as rosy for them in some ways, you could call it in terms of the long term, as they would have been otherwise. Hopefully it works. You know, hopefully those guys can stay healthy. But I just, when you look at how good the West is, like, I think they're going to be in that mix of teams that, you know, they'll be in if they're healthier than most and they'll be out if they're less healthy than most. And I don't know that I would commit to basically lock up a team that that's the best you can do yeah although there are not really a ton of free agents that are going to be available in 2018 either and they i think as we've said before i think there's a pressure to try and get at least decent so that they're able to look a little bit better for getting this arena they don't want to look like they're cheaping out one more thing derrick rose i actually reportedly will be meeting with the clippers he also met with the Milwaukee Bucks I don't know how much stock really to put in that either of these meetings although Rose in theory the Clippers could use their 8.4 million dollar full mid-level exception on him they will be hard capped they already are hard capped because they accepted somebody in a sign and trade and it might start to get a little bit tight but the good news is Doc Rivers has lots of experience in dealing with trading guys away to uh, avoid the hard cap he is a hard cap club veteran at this point but <laughs> yeah they've had three this will be the third season now where they've kind of had to to dance around it let's do a couple short ones here in memphis they've lost zach randolph we'll talk more about sacramento momentarily jamichael green a bit of intrigue around him the memphis commercial appeal reporting that his agent michael hodges said he's looking at two offer sheets and signing trades seems to us that memphis is going in a different direction woge then tweeting out the pushback that memphis made a july 1 offer to jamichael green and are now awaiting an offer sheet unclear whether they that offer is still out there or not for green but presumably with the departure of randolph green is someone that they're going to need to bring back especially now that they've used most of their mid-level exception on Ben McLemore. They really would have no way to replace Green. And so you'd have to imagine that unless it's going to get up to 14, 15 million a year, an offer sheet would get matched. This seems like another one that could turn into a stalemate as so many of these restricted free agent situations shall. And Green has a lot of pressure on himself to get well the getting's good he's been the minimum in his short career but he's already 27 this is his one chance to cash in yeah it, it can be a complicated situation and sometimes they you know you do this to put the heat there or even to maybe maybe try to encourage teams to even reach out because maybe they were assuming oh memphis is just going to match this isn't worth our money but there aren't as many teams to give them the money now so that'll be a challenge we can talk briefly because i don't think we need to go too much into it that the other restricted free agency news is that auto porter uh agreed to a four-year max deal that's worth 106 million with the Brooklyn Nets. It is expected that Washington will match, but of course we have to actually see. Interesting that this deal, not a three plus one, which lessens the pain a little bit for Washington, perhaps. All indications are that they will match. We'll see whether they actually do or not. 
they will have until July 8th to do so. But this has kind of been the new pattern for Brooklyn. They tried going with the absolute maximum paying offer sheets to Tyler Johnson and Alan Crabb. They got matched anyway, but they probably dodged a bullet on both of those, frankly. And then with Demo, they went with an offer sheet that was not as painful. It was very team friendly, which was part of the reason why Houston decided to match. And then he failed his physical. But it seems like Brooklyn's philosophy now on this, what is now the fourth offer sheet they have signed in the last two years is just, hey, we're going to sign the guy to a contract that we would be cool with and just kind of hope they don't match instead of like making it worse for ourselves if for some reason the other team doesn't end up matching. And so you have to imagine that Washington will match and then it'll be cost cutting time for them in other places. But good, good job because the Kings were out on Porter. Good job by David Falk getting someone to do it because Brooklyn was really the only last logical alternative. And then, uh, you know, we'll wait until this offer sheet gets matched and then uh, Brooklyn will do one for KCP. <laughs> At least that's what Rich Paul hopes. Then if we want to do another quick one, we can talk about Kevin Durant. So with Durant, there was this assumption, basically the, the short version is, there was this assumption that he was going to uh, take, that became fact, that he was going to take the non-bird maximum at the most because then that would allow the Warriors to stay over and then they could retain Iguodal and Livingston, which they had already done. So we basically knew that happened. But then he took even less than that. He ended up taking $25 million, which was $6.8 million less than even that non-bird amount, which is, I mean, but it's hard to say like, oh, this allowed the Warriors to do X because at that point, it's kind of more of an accounting thing. It's more, and the ownership, ownership could have put some sort of thing like, hey, we're not trying to spend more than that, but those are all going to be arbitrary thresholds should they have put those on in the first place. Yeah, it certainly seems like the amount that he took less was in part to help out Livingston and Iguodala. And also he's what he's taking less than the non-bird amount is basically equal to the taxpayer mid-level. And there's discussion that Golden State is certainly in the market there. But then they, of course, got another coup by signing Omri Caspi to a one-year minimum deal. He was the exact guy I thought would be a great fit. I know that there are some in the organization who liked him. And it appears that those forces went out. But I mean, for, on a one-year deal, I don't think it took much convincing, frankly. And Caspi, more of a lifestyle guy, he's always been so undervalued by the league. Clearly, the Pelicans, had they not waived him, could have offered him enough to get him back. And he's someone who clearly would would help them this year. And but they Caspi wouldn't, and they wouldn't have had to use an yeah. exception either because they could have just yeah. used, they could have used Bird and then they would have still had their middle level and all that because Drew came back. Yeah, Caspi, perfect fit for the Warriors, allows the, the, them to get Caspi. Kevin Durant some rest if there's an injury with Durant he can step into that role that Matt Barnes played last year but a much better shooter than Barnes and probably actually even a better defender than Barnes at this point in his career Caspi has very deep range I'm sure the Warriors will let him unleash that aspect likes to get out in transition another thing which should help them and it plays with some energy so great signing for the Warriors we'll see who they end up with now on the taxpayer mid-level you would expect that they might go in the direction of a big man although Sam Amick saying that Zaza Pachulia is expected to return you would have to imagine that that would be maybe even less than the non-bird which would be about 3.5 million we'll see where that ends it up ends up at but I, I'm considering Zaza is kind of off the board for right now all right, we got to get to the Kings. But first, this from the June oven. This thing is basically out of science fiction. It is an oven that heats up instantly and has a camera and software that recognizes the food that you put in it and it cooks it for you. They have all sorts of programs. You can run 36 different programs to cook bacon, whether it's thin, thick, chewy, crispy, up to nine slices at once. They will cook your bacon to perfection in the June oven. They've got chocolate 
chip cookie programs as well store-bought dough homemade dough if it's chilled you can adjust for that as well really remarkable what this thing can do this is the first oven that actually gets better over time because they continue to add more to the software it, it continues to update there is an app for it as well that can be customized you can look at your food on your phone live you don't have to get up if you put your food in go and watch tv just look at your phone you get a push notification on your phone when your food is ready as well i was actually over at my buddy's house who has one the other day it did the best job of any oven i've ever used reheating my pizza which was just as good as new it's really just a remarkable piece of equipment the way to get started with them is juneoven.com, juneoven.com, and you can use that cap space code to get up to a $200 discount, not up to a $200 discount, you'll just get a $200 discount at juneoven.com. I am the only podcast that they are advertising on right now, only way to get this discount. Just go and check it out. There are a ton of videos on the site showing everything that can it can do. It's just like one of the coolest things that I've ever seen juneoven.com promo code capspace well here we go yeah i mean so sacramento well it's not it's not as bad as the last time we had this discussion about the kings two years ago no it's not nearly as bad i mean first of all they didn't they didn't the assets that they gave up were perspective not actual (laughs) i mean so basically what sacramento decided to do was they decided to use a significant portion of their prodigious cap space to bring in two talented veterans George Hill, Zach Randolph. George Hill, three years, fifty-seven million. Final year, partially guaranteed. We don't know how partial, but partial. Zach Randolph, yeah, and, and almost. I mean, I can't think of hardly any contracts where the partial guarantee has been less than half. So I would yeah. expect it to be, you know, three million guaranteed. That's a similar structure, kind of to what they did with Aflalo and, and Tolliver last year. And that it, my visceral negative reaction to this is muted somewhat by the fact that they probably can get off of that last year pretty easily. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Now with the non-guarantee. And then they gave Zach Randolph two years, $24 million fully guaranteed. So the, the big, there are two kind of things that I, I think maybe I disagree with more than average people, but not with you because you and I have kind of a mind meld on this specific issue. And so I fully understand the desire to get veterans. You know, that's totally fine. I've seen it in person. I've seen the value. You've covered the league now for however many years and seen it at various levels of success. You don't need to pay this kind of money to do that, especially when at least one of the players, at least in some way, conflicts with the development of the young talent that is on your roster. Randolph is the truly inexplicable one to me. Again, he's evolved into a respected vet, which would surprise anyone from his Portland days. But he's really totally redundant. I mean, they got Papaji, Scal, Collie Stein, Harry Giles already, and Costa Kufos too. Don't forget about him. And he's got two years left on his deal. He probably, in this, the way the market's been going, he's probably going to opt in to that $8.7 million that he's owed next year. And it's just like, yeah, you know, he'll give you a little more scoring. They're going to really struggle for scoring. It'd be nice to have that. But he's basically a center at this point. He's probably not going to play much power forward, although Dave Yeager, his former coach, Certainly probably a reason why he wanted to come. Jaeger may well have pushed for this also, you would think. And Jaeger was quite content to play him at power forward. That was a few years ago. Zach is much slower now at this point. But I think it will stunt the development of those guys. But the biggest... And then Hill, only two years, essentially, is not that bad. He's going to start at the point, you would think, his ability to play next to De'Aaron Fox is a little bit wasted here because they all have all these shooting guards now they got Bogdan Bogdanovich they got Buddy Heald neither of those guys can guard threes 
Malachi Richardson. I guess he's just going to never play now. They still got Garrett Temple too. He can't guard threes either. One of those, some of those guys are going to have to, and they're just going to get lit up. It looks like Justin Jackson is too skinny to guard threes. Well, I mean, they at least have more kind of okay players, but the point of this is that it might make them a little bit better. You know, maybe they get to 30 wins, 35 wins. I haven't really thought about it. Probably not even that much, but maybe. But what's the point of that? In a couple of ways. One is the young guys are getting less chance to develop. And you're also, not only is it a chance, a question of them having a chance to develop, but it's also a question of you figuring out what you have so then you know what other moves need to be made. They also are missing their 2019 pick, of course, because that was sent to Philadelphia and is now owned by the combination of Philly and Boston. That's unprotected. So this all would have made so much more sense to just let this year be about taking on distressed assets, picking up some more draft picks, and then using your another asset, which is playing time, to figure out which of these young guys can play, and then signing next year's George Hill and Zach Randolph, because I think they really need another top five pick on the team, and now they're not necessarily getting it. They still could. I mean, they still could be awful, but especially if Hill breaks down, which I, I think is a big a, a big part of why this may end up being an overpay. But the question I'll ask you, Danny, is, is this enough of a core already? I mean, do you think that this core plus you know the number seven or number eight pick draft uh, pick in next year's draft is that like if they just all develop in a normal fashion does that get you to being like a solid 50 win team which is your goal when you're rebuilding no and that's a big part of why i didn't like this is is that i don't think they're close enough to being set and also they lose so not only do they lose the value of their own pick but they lose the ability to extract many much many assets from teams either this year or next year and that is the other massive part of why I don't like this is because we've already seen that there will not be many teams that have much space next year. There are also going to be a lot of teams in financial pain next year. So the ones that are remaining, you know, some of what they'll do is is trying to sign the guys and it's probably going to be a really depressed market. Having cap space next year is going to be pretty awesome. Restricted free agents, various other things. The, 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 the flexibility will just be wonderful. You'll have you'll have your pick between some some stuff. But the other part of having that space is that you can just take a king's... Oh, wow, that's a bad pun. Uh, you can extract a significant sum from... <laughs> from you another team finished it out hell no point. no you're, i i you're I'm, committed i'm i wasn't committed and and so you could extract that even more next year you know kind of we might even see it go back even to like a couple years ago where it was more like 15 more like 15 million per first round pick as opposed to 20 like it was now i think it might even get stronger than that we'll have to see and both of those are now off the table even if these contracts work out unless you unload like hill next year which i guess is theoretically possible but doesn't seem that reasonable and yeah well if he's hurt a lot of the year right that may be difficult we've heard a lot of people are treating me oh yeah well they could just like get rid of these guys me like number one they'll have two years left in their contracts and then next year is it really are you really getting that much now for guys on expiring contracts well, and remember nobody's gonna have cap starters? space no one's gonna have cap space so like are they gonna give up you know that their space yeah. and that or are you gonna take back you know some other team's salary that they don't want and george hill yeah. remember he's but played i, I in, guess like, you could like, yeah, one, ahead, one quick thing he's played in 50 or fewer games in two of the last three seasons so the idea of him being an injury risk is not some abstraction it's a lot of his present and recent past yeah yeah, and Randolph being 36, there's more of a risk there as well. I guess you could look at it as rather than just 
taking a guy into cap space, maybe it's more valuable to be able to have a guy who's close to expiring who can actually play a little bit. So now if you're the Washington Wizards and you need to dump Jan Mahimi, yeah, you'll give up your first round pick or whatever, you know, probably two first rounders right now for Mahimi, but whatever the price is going to be. And now it's more palatable because you at least are getting a guy back who can play at the same time as you're dumping salary as opposed to just we're giving up an asset and dumping salary and getting nothing back right the same same kind of concept as when the rockets dumped Corey brewer on the lakers or same type of thing as when washington dumped andrew nicholson on brooklyn they got back boy and bogdanovich a guy who can play in addition to your salary dump i don't know that i see the kings necessarily being that creative 19 million dollars is a lot of money for hill same thing with randolph as well and I think also just generally, it seems like the direction is, oh, we're going to try and compete. And the Kings were awful once they lost Cousins last year, and they outperformed their point differential until they just like completely stopped trying down the end. So they may be deluding themselves that they're a little bit better off th- than they think they are. And they've got 15 million in space left now. You could say, yeah, they still got 15 million. That's all they need to take on bad assets. But I don't foresee them. They have no threes on the roster other than Justin Jackson still. So I still think they're going to try and get in on someone like that. And that because it's Sacramento and you have to overpay so much and also another thing that people are saying is like it's Sacramento no one will come here it's like people will go come there when you're good people came there when they were good before like if you actually start building a culture and get some real young talent on this team that people want to play with remember when nobody would go to Philadelphia yeah so I'm not impressed by this. It's not the end of the world. I think really the biggest negative consequence to me is going to be the extra wins that they're going to get this year and the lack of development from some of their big guys who aren't going to play as much behind Zach Randolph. Those are the two things that I'm bothered by. I don't think that these in and of themselves are just like horrible contracts. So I think that there's that going forward, at least. It's just they don't really make much sense to me. Well, and that is something that benefited from uh, from Hill getting that partial guarantee, because then it would have been a risk. And now you can actually see the difference. These two guys that were traded for each other, George Hill and Jeff Teague, ended up getting pretty similar contracts. The biggest difference, though, was on that final year. On the final year, Jeff Teague has a player option and George Hill has a partial guarantee. Let me ask you this. Would you rather have George Hill on this contract or would you rather have used that space to acquire Timofey Mozgov and D'Angelo Russell if that, that deal were out there? Yeah, that's an easy call. That is one of the easiest calls. And I think there, there might be deals that are close to that for teams that really just desperately need to get off of money. Or at least if you aggregate all that space together, you can get close to there. And, and, and also another thing, another counter argument that I got on Twitter was, well, they already have so many young guys. Okay, that's great. Are all those young guys going to hit? No. Are those young guys, do you see the absolute high potential superstar? Do you see a potential superstar on this roster? Maybe people might say De'Aaron Fox. Maybe you could say Scal would be the only two I would say have close to that potential. Scal, I think, is going to be more of kind of like a nice player. If he could bulk up and play center, which they're not going to play him at anyway, maybe he could get to being like, you know, a star type of player. Fox, I, I see him as more of, you know, evolving into a solid guy. He'll at least can help them be a little bit more competitive because Fox, it's unlikely that he'll be ready to like, 
like start and play winning basketball this year but but again it's just you need more bites at the apple and more bites at the apple and this is just especially this is the other thing too is that this king's administration does not get the benefit of the doubt because they've just had so many crappy short-term thinking moves and i just imagine they're going to continue to compound this with just more short-term focus moves yeah i mean my response to this trade when it happened was patience is a virtue and they have exhibited the lack of patience throughout this time i mean even when they when they gave up the moves in the ill-fated philly trade two years ago that was for no real reason that was because they wanted to be more competitive they wanted to push it right away ended up failing pretty spectacularly and this is better that they gave up less to do it but it's the same flaw and i always get mad when a front office makes the same mistake again even if it is better the second time in cleveland chauncey billups after 10 days withdrew from consideration for the president of basketball operations job espn gave him a little bit of a raise to keep him on and a source told espn's jeff goodman i wonder if that source was chauncey billups because they both work at espn that staffing concerns and money disparity were factors in billups decision to drop out of the running wait a second so are you saying dan gilbert doesn't necessarily value the personnel in a front office (laughs) and so there's really no plan b apparently now in cleveland either it's going to be kobe altman who all right he's expected or respected i should say man too much caffeine today he's respected but Gilbert has been involved in a lot of these overtures as well. And who knows, maybe they could have convinced Indiana to do the Kevin Love for Paul George trade or gotten Weedle Denver into throwing in enough assets to appease in Indiana or whatever if David Griffin were actually still there. And he's not now. He is supposedly going to be talking to the Knicks in the next week or so, but nothing is imminent there. And it's just not the look that you want when LeBron James could be a free agent in here. We've talked a lot about Gilbert, but it's just the GM is important. <laughs> it really is like when you're and they've been lucky enough that LeBron James happened to be born in the Cleveland area. But other than that, like the GM work has been really important from David Griffin. Where do you want to go next? I think we should go to one of the best contracts of the summer. Maybe the best contract of the summer, barring, you know, weird ones that anomalies that shouldn't be considered. Patrick Patterson. Patrick Patterson took a three-year contract worth $16.4 million, which just so happens to line up with the taxpayer mid-level exception. And while it is not definite where, Orlando, where Oklahoma City is going to fit in that, he is a wonderful fit for them, and they got him at way less than we expected. Yeah, if you can compare him at 28 to what Taj Gibson got in OKC at 32 I think Patterson would have been a much better fit in Minnesota and they could have actually still gotten onto the wing market there too Patterson it's even possible he could start at the four it's been considered to be more comfortable coming off the bench in his career I do worry a little bit about Patterson that maybe like he has significant knee issues now and because he really struggled through last year did not play well in the playoffs but the Raptors were always so much better when he was out there he provides a stretch element that OKC really didn't have at the four and getting him at this price is really outstanding Patterson a stalwart defender who can switch pretty well and I think now with his addition if you look at this team I think they are the best team in the league if you need one to defend the Warriors and this is assuming that Robertson comes back as a restricted free agent and they might be either the best or second best defensive team in the league along with the Warriors as well especially when you're talking about the versatility in the modern game I mean, they've got Westbrook who is an inattentive defender but in terms of switches he is actually one of the best point guards at guarding switches because he's really strong and he takes it personally when guys try to post him up then you've got Robertson Paul George Patterson Jeremy Grant is another guy who, who can switch really well has a ton of athleticism Stephen Adams and 
excellent defensive center. He's got a lot of mobility as well. Of course, there's can't play him, but you know, you can just not play him in the playoffs. Maybe the only downside for them is that if you're, they probably will need to play McDermott or Abrinas, one of those two guys, and that those guys could be taken advantage of a little bit. But still, a pretty impressive defensive lineups that these guys can put out there. And Patterson was really needed as well for his shooting. Now, if you want to play Robertson, you could almost play Robertson really as a four offensively. So he doesn't now have to hang out in the corner and lob three-pointers off the side of the backboard. Really just an outstanding signing. And Sam Presti, other than the Ronnie Price contract that's going to cost them and not being able to upgrade a backup point guard last year, he's doing really a wonderful job getting them back into it with the departure of Duran. He had a, a real bad couple, three, four years there after including the Harden trade, but now he, he's been doing pretty well lately, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, he beyond making the one of the best trades in both of the last two off seasons with the Abaka trade and the George trade, incidentally involving basically the same parts moving back and forth. I, I think they've done a, a, an impressive job. And then getting Patterson, I mean, it looks like he took less than, than his market price. We, we won't know that for sure, really, ever. But he's a, a great Yeah, fit. he's one of those guys that I think we value way like more Caspi. than the league does. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, I mean, if you compare for Toronto, Serge Ibaka, three years, 65... Patrick Patterson got less than one quarter of what Ibaka got. That's pretty surprising. There's not that much of a difference between those dudes. I would agree with that. You want to do a couple of quick hitters? We, I, I'm just right near them on the sheet, so we can do those. Well, you know what's another one? Like, Toronto couldn't beat this offer? Yeah. Maybe he just wanted to leave. Maybe maybe uh, OKC was like, hey, we think we you, you can start. But, uh, you know, I would suspect it's going to probably be someone else. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's like Toronto couldn't have just given him $7 million a year. They need him. Yeah, I mean, that's something I was thinking about today when I was moving guys around in my sheet is that, yes, Toronto has all these young guys that they believe in, and that's great, but they're going to need those guys to step up because they lost two talented forwards off this team without really Yeah, the none of them is a stretch them. four. Siakam yeah. is not ready for this yet. And if they move Corey Joseph, then they're also going to be throwing their, back, their young point guards into the fire. So... Toronto is they're they're dancing a little bit more on a razor's edge and I think some are giving them credit for and that's not only true in terms of the normal lineup but if anybody gets hurt it's going to be a lot more challenging than it was this past year where are we going next well I was just thinking because I was already on the place in the sheet that we could do a couple of the the cappy moves so Orlando waived Steven Zimmerman he uh his guarantee date was a little bit later I think it was the first day of the, uh, the last day of the moratorium and then the Suns waived well, so, so Zimmerman real quickly number 41 one pick yeah. in the 2016 draft had size but it had this right elbow problem to where he really like couldn't use his right hand to shoot at all uh so he had like the sabonis like zoolander problem and it wasn't particularly athletic and didn't show much in either summer league so perhaps not a surprise that he got waived uh next Leandro Barbosa got so he only had a five hundred thousand partial guarantee. I believe his full contract was worth four million. He got waived by the Suns, who also signed Mike James from Europe. This is not the same Mike James who was playing in the Big Three. This is a different Mike James who also plays point guard. Yeah, he played for Panathinaikos last year. I don't really know much about him yet. Can shoot a little bit. He's got some quickness. Maybe like kind of comparable to Malcolm Delaney, just from what little film I've seen. But we'll delve into him a little bit more at a later time. 
Let's go to Indiana now. Darren Collison, two-year, $20 million contract with the Indiana Pacers. Partial guarantee on the second season. We don't know what that is yet. This is actually a really nice deal for Collison in terms of his value. Maybe he wanted to go to Indiana where he looks like he's going to be the, the starter more than he maybe wanted to stay in Sacramento. I would have paid him more than this as Sacramento, perhaps. Although once Hill, it came out that Hill's third season was partially guaranteed, maybe the comparison is a little bit more favorable for what Sacramento did but Carlson I mean he's just gonna sort of be okay I guess I mean this is one of those moves where like Sam Hinkie would never make this move but most rebuilding teams would where it's like all right this is gonna add three wins to your team congratulations you spent your money on something but you're still gonna be bad yeah I don't really have much much else to add other than that though it is interesting maybe he's tradable yeah yeah I mean if if it works out but you know he's he's kind of getting paid like a a higher end backup and I don't know how much we're going to see teams pay for those kind of guys just in the future as things get tighter you know obviously the best ones will like get a value if there's an injury prone player but I also am amused by Carlson just consistent just playing for one of his many former teams I think he's one of those guys who's moved around a lot and we forget about it sometimes but he's played on I think this is five or six teams now or not now he's already because this is a team he's been on before Nate Taylor also reporting out of Indy that the Pacers of Monte Ellis are discussing a possible buyout and that such a deal could be done later this month ellis owed about 12 million this season that of course was a star cross contract ellis has that weird t- player option but that if he gets waived before he exercises it and he's prohibited from exercising it before the end of next uh, this upcoming season then it doesn't count so the pacers will would like to kind of buy him out now and see where he ends up. I mean, he's the way he's played the last couple of years. I mean, I'm thinking like minimum two million, three million a year for him, probably. Yeah, I think that's about right. One thing we didn't uh, we didn't mention with the Celtics that I think we should take a little bit of time to talk about is that an expected but just part of that move was rescinding the qualifying offer for Kelly Olynyk, and now he hits unrestricted free agency where there are not many teams with space. But he's one of the best guys on the unrestricted market now. Certainly the best. I think he's the best big man of any kind. And probably the best unrestricted free agent at this time, Deion Waiters and James Johnson, who you imagine now will probably be returning to Miami. They'll want to stay there. We'll see whether they can work out a deal. You'd think maybe that'd get resolved tomorrow. But Olenek... He's a guy, we've talked about this before, I think he actually helps out certain types of teams, teams that have young guys, don't have enough shooting, a team like the Magic or the Suns that really want to provide those young guys with space to develop and work. Olenek, a solid position defender, but just too limited athletically to really be anything more than slightly below average and not a guy that you really want on your high-end playoff team due to his defensive limitations. So, but he, I think he's a great player to start at center on a team that is kind of towards the bottom of the table. And I think there are a team like the Hawks could get in on him as well. I think he'd be an excellent pick and roll partner for someone like Dennis Schroeder who needs more space inside to finish or, or Torian Prince Kent Bazemore Tim Hardaway if he returns in Atlanta so I, I think Olenek will get an offer sheet because it so happens that his skill set at least to me matches up well with teams that have cast space he's only 26 also and it's rare that an unrestricted free agent will come onto the market at that age to where he might actually still be contributing when the team has taken the next step and one thing I wanted to bring up with this beyond echoing a lot of 
of those sentiments I is that the Celtics are so asset rich and yet they've been able to let three first round picks go recently for absolutely nothing. Olenek, Jared Sullinger, and Tyler Zeller. So that's, I mean, don't forget not, about James Young. Yeah, that's true. James Young. That's a fourth. Uh, uh, and, oh, and uh, TJ and, and uh, RJ Hunter. Yeah. It would be interesting to see if maybe he just comes back for the room exception and then they'll still have for full board rights on him next year and they could pay him a lot more. But I think he'll probably be out of their price range at that point. It's He hasn't gotten paid yet. He's he's going to go somewhere where he, he can do a little bit better. Uh, a couple other things at Boston, too, that we neglected to hit that are a little bit further down the table. Jordan Mickey, he actually changed his guarantee date to later, J- July 15th. You imagine that he will get waived and that they will keep Demetrius Jackson. They could not afford to keep both of them if they move smart and still sign. Gordon Hayward Jackson has some money guaranteed for this year, so it doesn't make sense to waive him. And then Mickey, if he doesn't get claimed, you imagine that they could just bring him back, potentially, although he has he showed some promise, I thought, his first year, and then last year really was kind of a lost year for him. But maybe they, they feel like he still has the potential to develop into the sort of athletic big who could help them someday. Mickey still has two years left on that four-year deal he he signed, which at the time was the richest ever for a a second rounder. Another thing that I don't think we've discussed... Oh, no, never mind. I was going to say the mellow thing. We discussed that live on the last podcast we did, but we haven't really heard much more about it at this point. We have heard a little bit. In Houston, Daryl Morey saying that essentially... Their next step is going to be bargain hunting. He says they're probably going to hang on to those non-guaranteed contracts, in part maybe just because they're a little worried about the hard cap. A, a couple of those, I think like Ryan Kelly, he actually guarantees, but it, he'll be cheap enough that if they need to use him to match that. I think a lot of those guys still have pretty late guarantee dates as well. So the human trade exception will, in large part, still exist. You could always throw in Chinanu Anuaku or someone like that to give a little bit more salary if they need to make a trade. So they'll be looking for bargains at the minimum and it doesn't seem like like Ryan Anderson almost has to go back to the Knicks and reports have indicated the Knicks are not interested in him but maybe Houston could sweeten the pot enough to make that happen but at this point it appears that nothing is imminent and once again, I mean, if the Knicks aren't willing to take back bad salary, I don't really see how a mellow deal gets done. I agree with that, just especially with where the league is right now and the teams that he's reportedly going to. I mean, unless they get lucky and Cleveland is way more desperate to move Kevin Love than we think they are, there isn't really a way to make this work. Let's talk about uh, that sign and trade from the Atlanta perspective with getting Jamal Crawford. He's already made it known that A, he doesn't want to actually play in Atlanta again, and B, he would like to sign with the Lakers if he can. But if I'm Atlanta, I think he actually has some value in that same respect we were talking about that George Hill may eventually have. Hill a better player than Crawford at this point, but most GMs probably still think that Crawford can play. Crawford do $14 million this year, and then he's got $2 million guaranteed for next year. He, again, could have value as a way to dump salary and yet still get someone who, in theory, at least could help you this year. I'm skeptical of how much that would actually help, but some teams might think that he can. So he's an expiring contract, and he can still play a little bit. I think that type of guy has some value as opposed to just having the space. And so if I'm Atlanta, I don't know that I would buy him out unless there's really a pretty significant benefit. And in some ways, it could be possible that having an expiring contract like him who can still play 
is better than just having the space when you're talking about dumping some of these longer term contracts anyway. And also another thing too is Crawford at 14 million. Now, if you're Atlanta, you could take back up to 19 million in bad salary, as opposed to just being able to take back whatever cap space you have if you waive him. So with all that being the case, I I think unless he really makes a pretty significant haircut, I want to just hold on to him as Atlanta. Although, you know, it's kind of too bad for a guy in Crawford who is one of the league's good guys, but he also took a, a big enough contract that he knew this could happen and, and was movable once they got Lou Williams. And Lou Williams should be a pretty good upgrade over him in Clipperland. And so to me, that puts the, the kind of the onus on him. If he wants to put leave a bunch of money on the table, the Lakers are, if he wants to go there, they have a lot of cap space and they have a one-year deal is pretty much all they would ever all they would ever give anybody much less him an older player so you know if he wants to put his money where his mouth is and leave a lot on the table of course you consider at that point but i think that's what atlanta should be asking for yeah atlanta still now with crawford about 14 million in space remaining as well as diamond stone We'll run through the rest of the teams here that we haven't touched on. Brooklyn down to about $4 million in space with the Porter signing. That will stay on their books until the Wizards have, in fact, matched it. Charlotte, just because we haven't mentioned them yet, taxed out, probably down to minimums here. The Bulls haven't done anything. They're at $18 million in space. Some discussion that maybe Miritich and the Bulls could get some traction on a new deal from Casey Johnson, but nothing appears imminent there. Bulls could get up to about $29 million in space without Miritich's cap hold, but they certainly do not appear remotely active. At this point, Cleveland used bird rights on Kyle Korver. They still have their full taxpayer mid-level. We'll see whether they use that or not, but they can use it. They obviously have tax concerns. Dallas, $16 million in space, including the cap hold of Nerland Noel, who of course has found a rather tight market, though it does not appear that those negotiations have gotten much traction. And at least like some of these restricted free agents, even like KCP is another one. If you're actually a good restricted free agent, you do at least have the leverage of, hey, I'm a good player and you actually need me to play for your team next year you know if you kind of hold out and really push it down towards the end although then you also have the issue of your qualifying offer potentially expiring denver four million in space remaining with the cap hold of mason Plumley could get up to about nine million without him certainly some chance for a consolidation trade there with them still once things settle down a little bit detroit they have that issue of course with kcp now they signed langston galloway to over the taxpayer mid-level where they're hard capped and so if kcp does get a max offer they will not be able to match it they'll have to get off of some money that we have been promised is going to happen uh golden state where are they at Danny? golden state is actually so they got they got cheaper with the durant money coming back with the 6.8 million but it didn't change what their what their team building tools are so basically they have the taxpayer mid-level and the assumption that i've been making is that they're going to use a portion of that on jordan bell their second round pick to give him a three-year contract but then the rest of it is available and then they have non-bird rights on Zaza Pachulia and then minimum contracts for whoever the hell wants to take it. Houston, about $11 million over the cap. They have $14 million in space below the apron. That is the relevant number for them. Still could use the BAE, still could trade some of those non-guaranteeds as well. Indiana, after the Collison signing, little under $15 million in space remaining. The Clippers still have their full mid-level exception, $8.4 million. They also have their BAE, $3.3 million, but they have some concern with the hard cap now. They are only... In about 10 million, I think, maybe 12 million. I, I actually, I don't 
Gallo's number in there yet because that side and trade didn't become official until just recently. The Lakers, 17 million in space. Where is Memphis, Danny? So Memphis is still, uh, they're still over the cap. It's just an, an interesting dichotomy in terms of what they want to do with their space now because Zebo's gone. So they used their, their taxpayer mid-level on Ben McLemore, so, but they still have bird rights on Jermichael Green. They still have bird rights on Tony Allen. They still have bird rights on Vince Carter. So I have it that they that they collectively, I think it's about, about oh yeah, because it's about 15 million to spend on those guys, 15 to 20 on those guys, depending on what they do with Brandon Wright. Yeah, no way that they can create any kind of cap space if Green and Allen were to leave. So especially Green becomes a, a priority to resign. Miami, their Hayward pursuit is no more. They can create up to $34.5 million in room by waiving or trading Wayne Ellington. Ellington, I think, could definitely help a team. But maybe I think my prediction now would be that Ellington just stays on. They do, of course, have to use cap room if they want to re-sign Waiters or James Johnson. But certainly in this market, the $30 million they have left should be enough to, to get that done. I think it's more of a question just a, of the years. Josh McRoberts at $6 million, also a trade candidate there. Milwaukee still has access to the taxpayer mid-level they probably cannot use the full mid-level because they would be hard capped. They're in the tax already, so they're, they're too close to that right now unless they get off of some money. Spencer Hawes, of course, a candidate there with his $6 million. Minnesota, down to the room exception, essentially. New Orleans has the full mid-level and the BAE, the tax a concern there. They still have $17 million below the apron, though, so should be able to use the full mid-level and the BAE still. They also have bird rights on Dante Cunningham, who they could bring back but would eat into their space below the tax and the apron. Knicks, $16.5 million in space. We have not heard them linked to hardly anyone, which is really interesting. Orlando, about the same, $14.5 million. Philly, about $15 million, most of that earmarked likely for Robert Covington. Phoenix can create up to $25 million with the Barbosa. They've got the cap hold of Alan Williams on the book still, Derek Jones Jr., Elijah Millsap. If they wanted to waive those guys, they could get a little more space as well. Portland, super taxed out, probably not going to do anything. Maybe they'll break into a little bit of the taxpayer mid-level. Sacramento, $15 million left. San Antonio, $13 million, but they still have to bring back Pau Gasol and, and maybe Mano Ginobili, although he'll probably be a, a minimum guy. Toronto, Maybe they can use the taxpayer mid-level. That's about it. Utah, we mentioned $11.9 million in space. And Washington, if they match on Otto Porter, will be $25 million over the cap and into the luxury tax, a mere $1 million below the apron. So they almost certainly now will not... The Jody Meeks contract they signed, that'll probably be now part of their taxpayer mid-level rather than the BAE because the BAE would hard cap them. <sighs> All right. Well, and then the other thing to watch now is what happens with Bohan Bogdanovich because yes. this Wizards team getting so expensive, it doesn't preclude them. I mean, they theoretically could match a lucrative offer sheet to him should that exist, but it becomes a lot more financially painful for them to do so. Anything else you wanted to add just to, on everything in general? I, I mean, I have to say I'm kind of glad that Gordon Hayward went to the East just because like we need a little more talent in the East. I mean, I'm, I'm sad for Utah. I, I really, you and I both love the team that they had built here, but I understand understand why he left they have more potential to be great more potential to get to the finals you know if lebron leaves after this year they'll be the favorites for presumably a while unless philly or milwaukee just totally blow up but there are i mean there aren't it's not like there are even other than philly and milwaukee and even milwaukee is 
you know pretty hamstrung after their moves in the summer of 2016 there's really nobody else that's even like an up-and-coming team that you're really that worried about if you're boston i mean washington maybe but they get they too have limited flexibility toronto is on the downswing i mean do you see anyone else in the east that like hey you're worried about for the next three years if you're boston if they keep this team together no and remember that this year's draft didn't really other than the teams that we already mentioned those there wasn't really much that got those real high upside players in the east so jonathan isaac certainly a possibility you know if frank works out but dennis smith went to the west De'Aaron fox went to the west josh jackson went to the west so did delonzo ball so even if those guys if some of them work out more than expected they're still not in the east well and like i mean the east not only is the east just not good right now i mean there aren't even any teams in the east where you're like that's even looks like phoenix does you know where it's like okay at least we have all these young guys and we have flexibility going forward with some star talent i mean think of like this is the number of teams that i would say right now in the east it is just hopeless for them to be like you know a conference finals team in the next four years all right here here we go orlando charlotte the knicks even the heat you'd have to say like you know i see them topping out as kind of a second round team the bucks their only real way of getting there is if Giannis just becomes like the best player in the league i'm going to disagree with the bucks inclusion i just think they have more potential than that just it's 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 still like it's questionable though even like for them it's like like maybe they could but you know you wouldn't would you want to bet on them making do you think it's there's a higher than 50 percent chance that they make an eastern conference finals in the next four years that's a that's a probably about where i would have it maybe like 40 percent something like that yeah i mean maybe Bari comes back and he's good, but I mean, there are limited paths. Or maybe Thonmaker just becomes yeah. unbelievable. That's, that, that's actually the one that I think of. That but, could be. But it, here, yeah. let me. Do you? Are, were you? Did you have an order in mind, or there are some other ones I want to throw out? There? No, no. Well, uh, okay, so I'm just going in reverse alphabetical, or I'm scrolling up through the rosters here. Okay, the Pacers. I'm, I'm doing it on conferences. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The pa- uh, Yeah, I'm, just, I'm okay. talking about just the East. Now. Yeah. No, no. I was like, sorry. I was going to. I was doing it by diff standings last year. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so the Pacers. I would say the Pistons probably no real way to improve there, right? Like they're, they're not getting to the conference finals uh the bulls good luck the hornets nice try brooklyn actually probably has more flexibility than some of these teams and, and more young talent than some of these teams but they're just so far away still the hawks nice try i mean it's just <laughs> i mean unless one of these teams like signs lebron or something instead of him going to the to la or or recent i mean it's basically like cleveland and boston toronto yeah i mean they could make a conference finals just by default the wizards maybe they could i mean but those even those teams are not teams like i, I would bet you i would say that both the raptors and the wizards are not looking like i think both of those teams win less than 50 games next year and probably will just not really be getting much better than they are it's ridiculous it's incredible how bad like the the east is i mean so it's basically like yeah it's philly maybe milwaukee boston are the only teams to me that have remotely bright futures in the eastern conference right now it's absolutely insane and a lot of these teams don't have a ton of flexibility like orlando has more money spending than they need to the pistons the hornets like a lot a lot of these teams and the ones that do are often poorly run and so there's gonna be a problem there too oh man all right. Any other thoughts on, on today before we wrap up here? Yeah, I want to see what what happens with the remaining guys that are on the market, because it seems like the money is getting close to dried up. And once Miami does what we what I think they're going to do, then it gets even narrower. So you have the restricted guys that are going to have challenges. I mean, is there anyone else you would even consider as Miami before trying to just re-sign Waiters and James Johnson? I mean, I would, if they if they have reasonable demands, that's fine. If they have unreasonable ones, then maybe you start to think about, I don't know, like Olenek would be interesting there, just as a kind of a different different change of pace big 
and who could play some of the four for them. There are a few other guys that you that you think about, but yeah, I mean, and remember they also the hole is kind of the cap is kind of burning a little bit of a hole in their pocket because of Tyler Johnson because his contract escalates so much next year. Right. So yeah, that's a that's another team where I'm like, hey, you know, how are they going to get to the to the conference finals? Or I mean, we don't even have to say make it to the conference finals because maybe they'll all be so bad that like 47 wins gets you to there. But I mean, if you're looking at at a team that could like legitimately be like a normally a team that you would think of as good as as a conference finals team that like a 55 win team like a top six team in the league or top even top eight yeah yeah rudy gay maybe could be an option in miami uh, but i think i would rather have waiters or or james johnson first with gay obviously coming off the uh the achilles issue all right i think i'm about uh, i'm about done here yeah so uh, what i want to see the other thing i want to say is who takes a pay cut to play on a better team because i think a lot of these guys are probably sitting there freaking out that there's just not much left and so who just says screw it and takes less to play with the celtics takes less to play with the heat takes less to play with the warriors and i don't know who it's going to be necessarily but i'm excited to see the restricted free agents of course uh, continue to be a major theme remember when they said they fixed that yeah, well, we knew that 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 wasn't the case the the moment it happened. But I mean, you fixed it. It's not even so much even a question of the system being bad as it is. Well, a lot of these guys aren't that good for number one, but but number two, there just isn't as much money around either. So, but yeah, Plumley, Miritich, Alex Len, Nerlens Noel, KCP, even who is good. And so we'll see when the offer sheets aren't there for these guys, which appears is going to be the case then what happens when they go back to their teams how hard of a squeeze is it going to be are they just going to take the qualifying offer are guys going to think hey like it'll be better for me next year which newsflash it probably won't and how many of these teams are going to say all right is it better to put in our money on a restricted free agent or is it better to just try to play the asset accumulation game and keep our cap space open or try to get even better value in 2018 all right that'll do it for today thanks so much for listening our patreon has been on fire we're over 700 subscribers now which is we're really proud of danny did that airport ama are you going to do another one of those when we go to vegas i'm planning on doing one on each flight awesome all right so you can that's another great reason to subscribe in time for friday and pretty much every time a transaction happens i am tweeting out the new salary sheets league estimates every single day list of the remaining free agents who is signed already everything that i am using to create this podcast you can actually have that at your fingertips as well in as real time as i can make it happen uh patreon.com slash duncan LaRue and then of course we provide extra podcasts or two per month and it's also a great way to support the Twitter NBA show we'll once we get into the dog days we'll maybe try to come up with some fun periscopes maybe with old games if we can figure out a way to sync it up or or some other interesting stuff AMAs on Periscope something like that and also uh, Dunked On merchandise is available as well but I shouldn't go too long on these promotions because most of the people probably just stop listening at this point so we'll talk to y'all whenever there are enough signings to make it worth it till then across America BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing jobs like building grid scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.